Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. It's November 24th, 2021, as I post this episode. So honored to have author Emily Threat patching in from Hawaii a few months ago. And of course, now I'm in a different part of the country than I was when we recorded. I hope you all will have a wonderful holiday season. And as ever, I'm so grateful that you are listening. I love getting your comments and thanks for keeping me company this year. Welcome back to another episode of Persistence You with Lisbeth. And I am very honored today to have Emily Thoreau Threat, an author of Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, a comprehensive guide to reclaiming and cultivating joy and carrying on in the face of loss. She's won book awards and she is making a huge impact on the issue of grief and loss. And yet she's such a joyous person. Emily's patching in from Hawaii. I'm in Alaska. You couldn't have more opposite poles right at the moment, but thank you, Emily. Thanks for being here today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I am really jazzed to hear about your story of persistence. And I know that your loss was not just one time, but let us, can you just give the listeners an idea of how it is you came to do the work that you do? Okay. Well, I've dealt with lots of loss in my life, but the the most significant recent losses have been two husbands. Uh, Jacques died in 2006 and Ron died in 2000. No, I'm going to say the wrong year. He died four years ago. Okay. All right. That's a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to take that personally, I'm sure, sometimes. So if could you just tell us a little bit about it? I mean, you lost your first husband. And then when you start a new relationship thinking, okay, I'm back on track. You know, I mean, I'm with <laughs> someone I love who loves me and, you know, sharing my life. And then what well, happened? I was married to Jacques for 22 years. and. Yeah. When uh, he, he, on our fifth wedding anniversary, he started having health challenges. So it, we dealt with him for the rest of our marriage, but they, he still was able to, to function. He still taught at the, the college and he uh, loved to participate in theater as I did. And he did lots of acting and singing and uh, had, a, had a great life. But the last two years especially got really rough. And okay. he had uh, congestive heart failure, and it eventually led to kidney failure. So after he died, I thought, I don't really know what to do now. Um, I fortunately was invited back to the university where I'd been teaching to start teaching for them again. And so I did that. And I just had no interest in, in dating or finding somebody else. I figured I had a good marriage, and I would just figure out how to go on from there. Right. And you were young. I mean, you know, people expect that uh, persons who've lost a spouse are much older. And here you are pretty yeah. young, but you still are teaching. What were you teaching? I teach writing. Excellent. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I I did that. And I really didn't think that I would 
do anything else for the rest of my life. I was I was very comfortable with that. And a friend of mine at the university uh, ran into me one day and she goes, so are you dating? I Thank said, you uh, so much for listening today. Said, if you've enjoyed the show, please follow. Said, uh, and if you've really, no. really enjoyed it, tell a friend and <laughs> go ahead and give us a review. The same thing. I'll see and you I next thought, week. What is this? I there must be a reason that she's doing this because she wasn't married either. She had had uh, fiancés die and just she wasn't in the market at the moment <laughs> to um, have a relationship. So I wasn't really sure why she kept pushing it with me. But finally, I gave in and, and I thought, okay, I'm going to write a list of everything I ever wanted and a perfect match for me. And it was a big, long, detailed list. And knowing that I would never find anybody like that. But very so, intentional. I like that. You you were intentional, intentional about the qualities that you wanted. Okay. Exactly. And it was all about qualities. And then I wrote my bio and I put it on and I started checking who was there. And I thought, no, no, you know, I'm not going to find anybody here. And then I saw Ron's picture and I, I thought, I'm just going to look at his bio. He checked off every single item on my list. Wow. That's wonderful. So it was amazing. (laughs) So I thought, well, there must be something to this. And we did end up getting together and and getting married and had a wonderful 10 years together. Oh, that's beautiful. And his last two years were the best. And he ended up having congestive heart failure and kidney failure, just like Jacques had had. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So but wow. Oh my yeah. goodness. So those were a rough couple of last years. And what was it like after that happened the second time? Did it kind of reignite the first loss? Uh, not so much. Actually, with with Ron, we kind of lived differently because he, he believed very much in living in the moment and taught me about that. And we, we started just doing that together. And we re- honestly focused on what was good and beautiful and love in each moment. And with that, we weren't worrying so much about suffering and health issues and everything. Cause in the moment we were thinking about them, we still were both alive and both talking to each other and, you know, in, in good shape. And so it was, it was a much different experience uh, those last couple of years. And with, uh, we lived in Ventura and uh, in California and Ron had lived in Maui years before. And when he realized that his days were numbered, he said, I'd really like to live in Maui. So we sold our house and moved two years before right. he died. <laughs> and we just came over here. And I actually really fell in love with living here. I don't think I'll ever go anyplace else. It, it's been quite wonderful. And the last two years were good. And we were surrounded by our new ohana, which is the Hawaiian word for family. And we met lots of new people that just loved us and supported us and still love and support me. And it was a lot easier the second time. And yet at the same time, I felt kind of lost after he died because we'd been focusing so much time on each other. So I, I really focused on figuring out what my purpose was for the rest of my life. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah, so I started from there uh, writing a lot, exploring that, uh, not writing for anybody else. I, I'm just writing kind of comes naturally to me. So I was sure. doing different things to figure out uh, what it was that 
I should be doing or wanted to be doing. And I realized that the writing that I was doing was what I really liked doing. And I thought I could help other people who are in the same situation as I am learn to write things that would help them deal with their grief. And I didn't really know anybody on the island who was dealing with grief at the moment, (laughs) except for our friends that were dealing with Ron. So I formed a meetup group and invited anybody who was uh, grieving and wanted to learn how to write to deal with it to come on over to my house. And it was wonderful. People actually came. (laughs) That was pre-COVID. And you just put, so basically for people who aren't familiar with meetup, you what, how did you do that? You just go on this social media site and say, look, I'm hosting something. Yeah, and, and, and it's to strangers. You like come, any book. To strangers and invited them to my home, no less. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but Emily. I think I was kind of guided to do it because it turned out absolutely perfectly. The people that came and participated loved it. I planned on doing it once a month. And after the first couple oh. months, they said, we need more. Can you please do it every other week? So I said, sure. <laughs> and we did until COVID. How many people showed up, Emily, the first time? The first time we had about six, six or seven, I think. And it varied from between uh, four and 12, you know, because it was different every time, just depending on who was available and who felt like they needed at that time, because it wasn't a sequential class. It was something that we would do whatever we were doing in that moment. And it it just worked out really well. I'm still friends with all the people that came. Uh, I do an online now Zoom writing together through grief group, and it's it's going well. But the people that were on ground really like the face to face communication. So we're we're holding place for that. And when things settle down, we plan on starting it up again. Oh, I can't wait and, till they do. That is a wonderful service to provide to people. And to you. I mean, the more you help other people, I'm sure it just is really good for you as well to unpack your experiences and help them to create such a benefit to the world. Yeah. It, it does. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with the breakthroughs they had and the support that they gave to each other. And um, in the process of doing that, one of Ron's very dear friends died just dropped dead and he was uh much younger than ron he called ron dad there was that much of an age difference and they were family friends that lived close to us in ventura and i was so concerned for his wife she had two teenage daughters and she was not uh not prepared at all you know that wasn't the time in your life you expect to be dealing with something like that so I sat down and wrote her a letter and got it to her right away. I was able to get it to her through a friend. So she got it within hours after he died. And she told me later that, that the letter meant the world to her because I'd written in it things that she did need to worry about at that time and things that she didn't need to worry about, that she could just, you know, if people were pushing it or anything, she could just say, well, not, not right now. And she said it was, it was so beneficial to her. And I thought, I've got to do more. So I decided I would write her a card every week for the first year. Wow. And then I thought, that's 52 cards. I'm not sure if I can come up with something different for every time. So I sat down and wrote out what I would write in 52 different cards in about a day. And they all came to me and I was so happy with them. And I I put them together and started sending them to her. And then 
as a writer, I thought, you know what? I have an outline for a book. Wow. So that's where my book came from. And it came together so organically. Mm-hmm. I think that is beautiful because I think the people who do best with book marketing and reaching a readership are people who put aside their ego and who's going to like me. And they think, no, 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 no. What benefits am I bringing my reader? Mm-hmm. And here you already had that outlined. You knew by that point what the reader would get from your work. Yes. And, and not only from reading the book, but I realized that value of those, the writing groups that we'd have. So I decided at the end of every chapter, I would give the reader something to do actively. Lots of times it was writing, sometimes it was something different. But every time there was something that they could actually do for themselves in the process of, of working with their grief. And each chapter's on a different subject, so they could actually skip around if they wanted to. If they if they realized that at that moment they really needed to work on forgiveness, they could go to that chapter, and there would be the chapter, and then there would be something they could do about it. Oh, I love that. I think that is absolutely fantastic. And then you get this beautiful book, Living and Loving Through Grief. You get it together, and then the pandemic comes <laughs> And changes how you're able to reach your readers. Can you tell us a little bit about that when the book was coming out, how you managed to pivot anyway? That was uh, interesting because, you know, traditionally (laughs) you have a a big book launch party and you go to places and do book signings and that's what you do. And I wasn't going to have any of that available. So I figured out how to do a virtual um, book launch. And I taught online at the university for a year. So I was very comfortable with putting something together. And I, I approached a lot of people that knew me, knew Ron, knew about the situation, knew about how I dealt with things, and asked them if they could record a little video that I could use for the launch. So I strung all these videos together as to why people would want to listen to me in particular, since they didn't know who I was, and uh, why the message in my book was important. And I used that, and I one of uh, the people that I'd, I'd worked with before wrote a song and recorded it that we could use in the, the online part. And oh. it, it was, it was a really, really nice launch. It did really good sales that day. And that is positively beautiful. And, and so wonderful the way that you put that together, because the thing that none of us really thought about when the pandemic came was, yes, it changed things for authors, But it expanded your reach, didn't it? When you offered it online, more people across the globe could attend and honor his memory and your book. Yes. And and that was really great. And also, um, I heard about the, and I never can remember his name, the man who wrote The Road Less Traveled, which is one of the best-selling all-time books, that when he wrote that, people didn't really know who he was. And it was before the internet and being able to market or anything through there. So he committed to doing five interviews a week for the first two years after the book was launched. And I thought, well, I can't go out and go places and and do things, but podcasts are available now. So I've been doing my best and I've been doing an average of of five podcasts a week uh, internationally, all over the world, places like Singapore and Spain that I, I probably wouldn't have been flying to to talk about my book, but I'm able to reach the audiences in places all over the world in a way that I wouldn't have been uh, pre-pandemic. And that is just beautiful because 
not only are you giving those interviews out, but those will generate interest and connection for years, not just mm-hmm. your one event. It could be three years before someone hears it. Other people hear it right away, mm-hmm. but it's so such a wonderful way to have a long-term lasting impact. And good for you for setting a goal that's doable. It's it's ambitious, mm-hmm. but it's doable. You knew exactly what you wanted to do. You didn't say, how am I going to do this? You're like, I think I'll go on five podcasts a week. And mm-hmm. so bravo to you. That's that's inspiring. Thank you. That's really inspiring. So I, are you enjoying it? I love it. I absolutely love oh. it. I've actually decided that I'm I from this, I'm creating my own podcast so that I can do that too. Because I, I can it. I can see how I would I would like to direct my message uh through the people that I could bring on to the podcast as me. Right. So I I it's so they're they're two different things. It's not like two of the same with the podcast that I do and the podcast that I'm on. Uh, they're different. So, and, and I right. see a, a reason for both of them. So I'm very excited about that too. Oh, that is so exciting. Well, congratulations. I mean, this is really having an impact on a lot of people, including you. And it's clear to see that you're really at a place of deep contentment. And for somebody who's lost two spouses, it's pretty easy to get engulfed in grief when you have some losses. And sometimes that first loss can be triggered yet again by this next loss, but you've found a way to not get stuck in it, but to integrate it in your life. So I think that's really exciting and inspiring. Thank you. So what are you doing next, Emily? What are you working on next besides your new podcast? The the other new thing that I'm working on right now, I'm really excited about is called the Grief and Happiness Alliance. And I, it's, it's a membership program, an online membership program where people can come together who are grieving and finding ways through writing and through happiness practices that they can discover ways that they can be happy in their life, even though they're grieving. And I I just became a, a certified happy for no reason trainer by Marcy Shymoff's program. And so I'm, I'm able to incorporate everything that I learned from her with all the writing that, uh, and the writing that I've been teaching. And it's, it's a really nice combination. I'm, I'm doing a pilot program right now and the people that are in it are just thrilled. So I'm, I'm working on that and it's going to come out very soon. Oh, that is fun. And I adore the title happy for no reason. Mm-hmm. So great. Good. Yeah, that, that's Marcy Shymoff's book. She's, she is fabulous. I highly recommend that book. It it helped me. I read it after Jacques died and it helped me a lot because I was thinking I wasn't going to be happy again. You know, right. my happy part was done and I discovered that's not the case at all. And it, it, I'm so much more healthy. I'm, you know, obviously happier, uh, can bring happiness to others and lead a very good life by focusing on the positive instead of uh, drowning in the negative. Right. And it's not like you're just trying to forget what happened and put it behind you, but rather you've incorporated it and you're able to use that to create your new purpose. I think that mm-hmm. is just absolutely terrific. Emily, what would you tell someone who's recently suffered a loss about the role that writing could play in their lives, even if they don't want to write for publication? Let's say they just, you know, what what is the role just, writing yeah, has played writing. for you at least? I think writing provides a way to deal with things. 
uh, Eckhart Tolle says that you've got a voice in your head, you know, that goes around. And when, when you're dealing with loss, I know mine felt like this little person that was just bouncing around constantly going, what about this? What about this? And you're so sad and you're so lonely and, you know, all that sort of thing. And I, it's very hard to deal with. But if you start writing that stuff out on paper, the more you write about it, the more you go, you know, really, I'm not that sad. I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to be a widow, but I, I am alive. I do have things to live for. And I found that the more that I would write things out, like the, the first time that Jacques had the heart surgery, he had it twice. Uh, it was a, a shock and it was a big, long, complicated story. And whenever anybody would ask me about it, I'd tell them the whole thing. And they, I'd see them kind of, you know, nodding their head halfway through. So the, the story I asked. Yeah. The, the, I found the more often that I said it, the shorter it got. And it finally got to the, the, the point where I could say, well, uh, he was having difficulty uh with really high blood pressure so we took him to the hospital and they discovered he needed open heart surgery and he's doing a whole lot better now and that was the story as opposed to the half an hour diatribe that i had gone through before (laughs) i love it when you write if you if you write about the same subject over and over again it will get shorter and shorter until you finally get to the point where okay i've said that enough i can say something else now and I, i think that's one of the most valuable things you can do with your writing when you're dealing with grief Oh, I think that is just terrific. <laughs> that is funny also. <laughs> I've done the same thing myself where someone will ask a story. And you're like, oh, I'm glad you asked. Do you have a half hour? Boom. <laughs> yeah, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, it is such a healthy, can be such a healthy way to unpack trauma. Mm-hmm. And yes. not everyone wants to write for publication. That's absolutely fine. But I still believe myself that writing can be instrumental in healing and redefining what what comes next. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, that is terrific. Where would you like people to find you? Where can they find you easiest to keep up with what you're doing next and to learn all about your upcoming developments, Emily? My website is the same as the name of my book. It's lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com. And that's also my email address, Emily at loving and living your way through grief.com. So you can reach me there and you can buy my book any place books are sold. It's traditionally published. And so you can, uh, it's available any place and it, it comes in, in all forms, um, Kindle and, and audio and, and paperback. So I'd be so happy fantastic. to have you read it. <laughs> And I just think, wow, congratulations on your goals for book marketing. Also, I'm going to frankly use you as an example of success in my book marketing class coming up because you've done some things that are really just so brilliant, like setting those goals and working around the pandemic. And you and I talked before we started the podcast about you Mm -hmm. doing a book signing, but a clean Mm -hmm. book signing during COVID where you go in and you sign a bunch of books, but then you disappear before someone comes to buy them. And that's an option, you know, for authors. It was really cool. I did it at Barnes and Noble and they, they were thrilled that they had a local author come in and they took all kinds of pictures and they used the pictures in their marketing. And I used the pictures in my marketing. It was obvious I was in a bookstore signing books. So it was, it was really cool. I think that's terrific. You give a lot of hope to other authors, you know, to not get in despair just because things that we can't control are happening. You already knew that. That's how life goes anyway. So 
Anyway, congratulations on your success. I am so thrilled to have had you today and I can't wait to see what comes next. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.